This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a, next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Time. Anime, live. comics, movies, and games to come on and let's get it. Talk time live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from. And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news, special guests, and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes, all can learn something new me too i heard words with no faith is empty i stayed the course though my haters tempt me beep the podcast that'll make them envy it ain't too trendy it's acmg anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time live gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah and ladies and gentlemen this is year 47 of my life this is my birthday today and i don't think i've ever done a show on my birthday i don't think that there was ever a time where my birthday fell into one of my recording days even back when i first started because it, I, I just don't recall ever having to do that. So it pleases me to be able to do this show this very day. And in this very episode, we are going to get the chance to review Echo and our talk topic today because we got a chance to see it. There's been a lot of talk about it, a lot of great talk about it. And I'll give you my thoughts on it. You know, some of the highlights. There were some unexpected things in this series that I was not expecting to see and directions of story that didn't happen i'm looking forward to having a conversation about this i hope you guys are willing to do it too so we're gonna do that along with all of our news this week that has come about and i'll talk about some of that and um you know just gotta say man it's freaking 47 i don't feel 47 i don't know what 47 is supposed to feel because you know i guess this is kind of what stan lee felt you know all through his life he just it was never a job to him it's just what it was but i will say i'll say something now and i'll say something at the end as well just um a big thank you to everybody who's ever come across the four letters of acmg whether we 
have good relationships, even not so good relationships. They're all a part of the story. They're all a part of the road. Thank you all for that. Um, even if, there's some always a good times and there's always some bad times in the road of building your uh, vision in this world. And, you know, you got to take it all. You got to take it all. The good and the bad. Like the bad is also like it. it here's the deal. In art, and when I used to take art um, uh, classes, we were in the studio, and I one of the things that I learned from you know doing life drawings and still life and all this stuff, and you know, um, you know, figure drawings and all that. One thing that you always know when it comes to designing, the eraser is just as much as important as the pen or the pencil or the mouse to that extent, because it allows you to create a better situation even you know you're not going to get everything right but the eraser helps you to sculpt the situation better it is it is just as part as an important of a tool as it is the actual pencil that helps create and draw sometimes when you draw in a different direction it doesn't go the right direction it doesn't go in the right alignment you got to erase it you got to make it better and that's life in a nutshell folks it basically will tell you that you're not going to have everything's going to be perfect. You're going to go through some bumps in the road. You need to expect it and be able to use those challenging times and those times where you didn't do it to remember what to do the next time and make it better. So you erase those moments, etch it a little bit, you know, just a little bit of etching and just go keep going, but go in a better direction next time, knowing what you did the first time. So I'll just leave that part of it right there. But thank you guys um, for this road so far and everything that has gone on since I started ACMG in general, not just the podcast, but the ACMG group and everything that has just happened. It's just been an amazing road. I always say if it stops tomorrow, everything, everything, I'll be grateful for what I did yesterday. You know, I can look back, you know, and just be proud and people around me would see what I've done. And what I was able to do and hopefully can be inspired to have the, you know, energy and vigor to do the same. So we'll talk about that. But that's here nor there. I digress, folks. We got some fandom news to talk about. So let's not waste any time. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. So we're going to start off with some quick news. If those like myself who didn't go to the theaters to watch Oppenheimer, you will get your chance. Peacock got denied and the opportunity to exclusively stream this movie on their platform. It will be arriving on February 15th exclusively on Peacock. So if you have Peacock, which I fortunately do, I still got a year that I don't have to pay for it before they do whatever it is they, they do. Um, it will be available to you. So uh, that's awesome. I, I th honestly, I thought Max was going to get it. I, I really thought that um, Max was going to get it for some reason and get the rights too, but you know, they didn't. So, you know, kudos to Peacock for getting that because that's, you know, arguably aside from Barbie and Super Mario Brothers, it was one of the biggest movies, box office smashes of 2023. People need to remember, like if Barbie wasn't out, 
it would probably have been Oppenheimer versus Super Mario Brothers because Super Mario was the first to really get a big hit for the year. And the minute Barbie came out, people totally forgot about that. And, you know, respectfully so. I enjoyed the movie. Really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I, Simu Lee and Ryan Gosling just to me was just hilarious in there. Um, Issa Rae as well. I thought, you know, she did a thing too. So, I mean, like, they, I understand why people really dug it and why they supported it. You know, that was a black, that was the Black Panther movie for some people, you know, especially those, like I said, those who grew up with Barbie, that was their deal. So I respect it. And, uh, it was, you know, it deserves it. It deserves that, that whatever it got from there. But Oppenheimer also was arguably like in terms of like cinema, cinematic masterpiece. People are saying that was it. So I am going to find out February 15th, just like the rest of the people who didn't get it, um, get the chance to see it or didn't choose to see it, which is apparently a minority of people. Um, I honestly, I didn't see the big deal about it. Yes, I did Christopher Nolan's uh, films, but I'm never really that excited about it to that extent. You know, I, and we talked about it last week with the Tenet movie. Um, which by the way there are other christopher um nolan movies that will be released on peacock as well including the batman trilogy uh inception and i think another one but which wasn't listed is tenet i don't know if that has anything to do with the the um peloton instructor or whatever like that but that somehow just missed the boat in terms of uh movies that did not get um that are being streamed uh that are being directed by christopher nolan so i don't know what's what but We'll see about that, but I thought that was very interesting that has happened, but his movies are great. I did love Inception. Uh, of course, the Batman trilogy was just tremendous for uh, for the time, you know, before Marvel just completely wiped the floor with everybody in the comic book universe. Um, so, well, I'll see. I, you know, it, it, it has a lot of great actors in there, one of which is Robert Downey Jr., who got an award recently for his uh, role in that movie, so... You know, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's, you know, I just didn't feel the need to want to go see it at that time. I don't know what, what that or Barbie. I didn't go see Barbie either. So it was just, it wasn't just my feel, but I'll see it if it's on the house. So <laughs> we'll check it out soon enough. Um, other thing I'm really looking forward to just announced by Netflix. We know the Witcher is coming back uh, with a new season and joining the cast is none other and Morpheus himself, technically Morpheus, Silver Surfer, <laughs> you name it, he's done it. Um, Lawrence Fishburne joins the cast of The Witcher. He will play the role of Regis, which I believe is a white character, but they're uh, they're you know um, race swapping him on this one. Um, he's a world well-rounded barber surgeon. I don't know what the hell that is. With a mysterious past, this is not Fishburne's first hooray into this type of role into this like medieval type of role um i don't know if a lot of people watch this but i would you know i went on a like a school field trip when i was very young i think it was a high school you know trip when i was young we went to go see we went to go see um othello and it was a really actually really good like i'm normally at the time i was a kid i'm like shakespeare what <laughs> so but Shakespeare with, he wasn't Morpheus at the time. He was, 
the dude from Boys in the Hood at the time and, and school days and whatnot. So like we got to see him in a whole nother way. And we got to see a brother be able to pull off Shakespeare very well, mind you. And I really got into that movie. He was so captivating in that movie as Othello. So he he did do that role. Honestly, I would highly recommend if you can find a good, clear copy, which let me tell you, Othello so old, it was in 4-3 uh, aspect ratio. Okay. Um, it, it just, it, it really was back in the day. Like really. And, and you'll see how young Lawrence Fishburne was at that time so but with that said he knocked othello out the park with that so this is not going to be his first time ever doing it he's a phenomenal he's one of my favorite actors i mean not just i'm not black actor not white actor he's just my favorite actor him charles s dutton um they, i mean there, there's some people out there that really grabs you and moves you and this dude can do it all that dude can absolutely do it all. So like, I'm looking forward to seeing him playing in this role. I think he'll pull it off. Everybody loves Morpheus. Everybody loves Lawrence Fishburne. Um, you know, from rather, if it's not from, you know, the Matrix, it's from John Wick, you know, or it's from Boys in the Hood, or like he has a catalog of likeness in, the, in, in movies from fans, you know what I'm saying? So like, very much looking forward to that. And uh, should be out uh, later on this year. So we'll see. Now, this is a funny story we got to talk about here. I don't know if this dude was joking or not, because I didn't actually. I've read the article with the interview. I don't know if there's a video version of this. I don't know if he was joking in a form of based on his context of how he said it. I don't know. But David Ayer, a lot of you guys know. The guy who directed the original Suicide Squad movie and currently is um, working on the Jason Statham film, The Beekeeper, which actually looks really good and uh, really entertaining. But he went on an interview where he's, and it has been his talk about the Suicide Squad director's cut, you know, uh, making a, making a um, the case that the movie that we saw in theaters and that we constantly have saw for years is not the original cut that he wanted to do. It was he he claims that they were it was sliced and diced and the same way that um the Justice League was when Josh Whedon put it together. And then we found out there was a Snyder cut, which was like absolutely four hours long. But I you know it was four really awesome hours, I will say that. Just four hours. Jesus. I'm glad they put it in chapters. I just I would just I'm just grateful for that. But now he's trying to he's trying to start up a campaign. He's trying to get fans to start up a campaign to try to have the same the same hype for the Justice League uh, for Suicide Squad as he does the Justice League. I don't think it's going to happen because one WB already said that like take doing the Snyder cut really didn't do him any justice, no pun intended, and this one right here was like nobody really cared about the Suicide Squad movie, the first one at least, because it came off like a James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy clone. It was desperately trying to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Like they, they played, you know, music tracks. They played, they, I mean, the whole thing, it just, when you, I'm not saying that the first Suicide Squad movie was a bad movie. 
I'm just saying it was okay, but it was like a carbon copy backyard version of the suicide of, of, of um, Guardians of the Galaxy. It had great actors that, you know, pretty much Margot Robbie just basically stole the entire freaking show. But other than that, it was just like, dude, this is just a ripoff formula of Guardians of the Galaxy right down to the music soundtrack. I mean, it, it just was. Um, but in an interview with the Hollywood Reporter, where they discussed the latest movie, The Beekeeper, starring Jason Statham, he went on to mention the director's cut and claimed that the Ayer cut, he's, he's trying to mark it right there, consists of multiple changes by, uh, made by Warner Brothers during the post-production process. He believed or hoped that with the Snyder cut finally released on Max and receiving fan approval, which it did, it absolutely did. Again, I love the Snyder cut version. Absolutely loved it. Uh, except I just always thought it, thought it was weird that they put it down to four or three B. I don't know what was the point of that. Like we have 16, nine ratio, you know, aspect ratio screens now. Like you want to everybody get black screen now, stretch that thing. Okay. Um, but it was for the sake of art, of course. But after, you know, that released on Max and receiving fan approval that there were there would be a possibility of this cut or his cut uh, that will be approved. That may not be the case now because DC and Warner Brothers Discovery or WBD has been has been what uh, he says is radio silent. He goes on to say that the most frustrating part of this Suicide Squad saga is that he knows that originally he made a great film. It's not, and instead, like he made a good film. I thought, honestly, I thought, I didn't think Suicide Squad was terrible. I just think it was anything but original. Anything but original. Um, he goes on to say that like the most frustrating thing about it is that he made a great film, but he continues to comment saying that, uh, that those who actually saw the air cut claims that it was one of the best comic book movies made. That is really strong words considering everything that's come out. Especially James Gunn's version of the Suicide Squad, which really reminded him. I don't, I, I, you know what a great question would have been for the Hollywood Reporter? What were your thoughts of, of James Gunn's version of the Suicide Squad? That would have been a great question because I would love to have hear him hear what he had to say about J uh, James Gunn coming in to do what he was trying to do in the first place and then superseded it by doing Peacemaker and that show being uh, phenomenal, leading him to become the like the Jim Lee of the DC films. He's now he, he like he he is to he is like to um, Hollywood right now with, with Warner Brothers as Jim Lee is to the comic book industry. Like his artwork led him to become, arguably led him to become like the CEO of DC. James Gunn and his artwork led him to running and to becoming the Kevin Feige of DC Studios. I mean, there are some similarities there. So I am looking forward to seeing what this new James Gunn thing, but um, I, you know, if I don't think that they're, I think the reason why they're not going to come out with this cut is because they want to just completely distance themselves from 
the entire DC film Snyderverse type of deal, period. Because it just didn't work. What they were trying to do with that show, with that series of movies, it just didn't work. They were trying not to do what Marvel was doing in terms of story direction and narrative and everything. And it ended up becoming a very convoluted cluster. Which is why I was really happy when Greg Berlanti took those intellectual properties, you know, that he you were able to use and made the Arrowverse exactly in the same way. Maybe not the same stories or anything, but he, he the, the, the story direction of connecting everything was exactly like the Marvel Studios way. And it was like, why not do it that way? It's just as long as you have different because what they're doing anyway is the same thing they do in comic books. They connect all, they weave and connect all these stories together and all these characters together. I mean, the Marvel formula is nothing more than the comic book way of telling a story, but they were able to do it in cinematic form. I just don't understand what they were thinking, trying to do something different with them because it would have benefited them greatly. Honestly, it would have benefited, it would have benefited them greatly if they would have just took Greg Berlanti's universe and combined it with the Justice League and brought all those together. And, you know, cause say what you will about the Arrowverse, but they had a much success, a way more successful run with those DC characters than any of those guys who worked on the films, any of them. It was consistently, it was consistently watched for a decade, right up to the end with, um, with uh, Legends of Tomorrow. It, to the very end and in, in, in the flash to the very end it was consistent so i don't know what to tell you we'll see but james gunn it's up to him to revive it the air cut i mean if it ever comes out we'll we'll see but i, I doubt you could ever make a if that was the case i think they would have vouched for it i think they would actually brought it out by then so i don't know. we'll see all right in other news we got to see images of Madam Web that is coming out. I think it's coming out in February, if I'm correct. So I'll be looking forward to checking that out in theaters soon. But Madam Web uh, images have been spotted online. Three images, in fact, uh, were posted on social media. The first one was an ocean spray bottle with Dakota uh, Johnson as Madam Spider in full gear. Two import graphics, uh, poster graphics showing lead star Dakota Johnson in full gear, along with the spider cast, Sydney Sweeney as Julia Carpenter, AKA spider woman, the second spider woman, not Jessica drew, uh, Isabella Mercedes as An uh, Anya Corazon. I don't know who character it is. I was, I, I looked that up. I forgot. And Celeste O'Connell as Maddie Franklin. Uh, here's the thing. It looked really cool. Didn't look. I mean, it, it looked above average above budget. I do like Sydney Sweeney's um, Spider-Woman costume. My only beef about that version of Spider-Woman that she's portraying. I, I was a fan of that character because she came, she premiered during Secret Wars in the comics. And she also, like Peter in the Secret Wars comic, got his symbiote from that deal. Like her, her suit is also a symbiote costume. I don't understand where they're going with this suit in this one. So like, it looks like they're just wiping the whole symbiote, you know, deal, at least to my knowledge, but the suit, it, it mimics the actual symbiote suit. 
but I don't know if it's actually going to do the symbiote suit. And also she had like uh, sort of like venom powers or no, the original Jessica Drew had a venom blast before Miles Morales had it. Um, Jessica Drew had the venom blast and then uh, Julie Carpenter had something a little bit similar to that. It was more like a sonic blast or whatever like that. So I don't know what they're going to do with that, but I mean, for what it's worth, I love the costumes. I love the look. Um, Dakota Johnson actually does look like Madam Web. Now, I still a younger version of Madam Web, but like the hairstyles change, but she got the suit. I wish she would have had a black suit though. That would have been awesome. But we'll see where we go with this and how this is hopefully going to connect to Spider-Man because one of these damn rogue gallery movies has to connect to Spider-Man in some form or fashion sooner or later. I, the Sony-verse, the Sony Spider-Verse, with the exception of um, the Miles Morales movies, have been hit or miss, mostly miss. Like the best part of the Sony verse right now has been Miles Morales. And second is the, 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 um, Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi movies. Say what you will about three better than the other ones. And you know, the, the Andrew Garfield ones was okay, but the Miles Morales is arguably the best Spider-Man is Spider-Verse movies coming next to um toby mcguire's movies like that, that's the way i see it you know so and these other movies that's, we still cravings craven's supposed to be coming out too i don't know what I, I don't know if that's still being held back or delayed or whatever like that but they were showing trailers of that movie months ago and we haven't heard from it since so uh we'll see but this one's coming out we'll see how this goes and how all this is supposed to come together to you know center around spider-man i don't know because spider-man is never anywhere in sight for any of this stuff so uh we'll see with the exception of uh more mobius which i just watched the other day and you know remember the uh something happened where vulture from the marvel's marvel studios uh you know michael keaton ends up in the sony verse version and something's gonna happen there and that i i, I don't want to talk about that because there's so many things so many holes in that situation right there i want to talk about but like that's happening too so let's keep an eye on that stuff uh do you believe i got two more things to, no one more thing to talk about uh la, 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 la. two things to talk about actually um one of which is the trailer to masters of the universe which just arrived um basically showing that adam is torn between ruling as king after his father passing away and giving him the uh the honors of becoming king or becoming Eternia's hero as He-Man. He, his father said he can't do both. You got to do one or the other. Ske Meanwhile, Skeletor, played by Mark Hamill, the awesome Mark Hamill, has become more powerful than ever. If you guys remember um, watching Revelation, I think it was Revelation. Um, he, he, or it was Evolution. He evolved into a entirely new being after being defeated by He-Man. Uh, last time so he's merged with some form of technology and now he's going to be wrecking havoc everywhere we also get we're also going to get to see hordak this season which i'm wondering if we're is, if it's going to lead to us seeing shira making an appearance and it almost has to because hordak was shira's worst you know um you know worst enemy to that extent so i don't know what's going to happen there but the cast as always is going to be ultra awesome uh, Melissa Benoit is coming back as Tila. William Shatner is going to be making pairs. Keith David joins the cast as well. 
and it is coming on January 25th, uh, which is going to be a great week uh, this month because also coming this that week, I believe is Tekken 8. I cannot wait for that. I got that on lock. I got that ready. I also got Final Fantasy Rebirth ready. I just locked that in too. So uh, I am looking for it. This is going to be a lot of great stuff coming this month. So I'm looking forward to it. And the last thing I want to talk about, because it's going to segue into our talk topic of the week, is Disney is doubling down on their announcement that the Defender series is all canon. They officially added the Defender saga to the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline, doubling down on the series official word that it is canon. So it is it. It is officially in. I honestly, it was, I, I don't understand for the life of me as to why they ever like that in ages of shield like that's I, i'm just waiting i'm waiting for them to say ages of shield is also canon because i don't know if they just kevin feige just didn't watch the show but if you really go back and watch the show and i've had this conversation multiple times there is absolutely no way no freaking way they could separate the events of agents of shield to everything that would just went on uh in in, in the uh infinity saga it went all the way up to thanos so and give shut up with the time travel thing that wasn't them that was traveling through time and changing time they didn't change time they mentioned that time can be changed through the streams they talked about that they didn't actually get it and do it they didn't shift time they were they were trying not to do it and one of the ways that they stopped they didn't do it is that they killed off Sosa. And when they killed off Sosa, they, they killed off Sosa using another body. So everybody thought Sosa was dead from the Agent Carter series. But what really happened and what we saw after they canceled that series and brought Sosa into the Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that they faked his killing. They faked his death, used another body to say it was Sosa, which was one of the, I guess, Hydra guys that they killed. And now Sosa's able to be able to travel with the agent of shield. He, he's with Quake and he went all out of space, but they never changed the timeline whatsoever. The initial timeline that's connected to the 616, they never changed a damn thing on it because they knew that if they change it, it will, it will create havoc. So nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Everything is still in line in that universe. They never change a thing. So. I don't think they could ever really say that 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 show is disconnected or distance from no they just can't so no and they they were saying the same thing for the defenders they said the same people were saying the same thing about the hawk you know but we seen later on but that they said no the hawk is still connected they still said everything was connected with the defenders now because if you watch the defenders if you watch daredevil daredevil connects to a lot of things that went on in the marvel universe they mentioned some the battle of new york ben york is the guy who wrote the article that talks about the battle of the new york before kingpin killed him i hate that scene love ben york the ben york character was so awesome um which ben york for those who didn't don't read comic books has a deep connection with spider-man by the way um or did in the comic books not here because he didn't live long enough to see <laughs> to see um the meet spider-man or peter um luke cage has because he's in harlem had a connection with the hawk they talk about the battle of harlem 
which was the Hulk versus, uh, you know, um, Abomination. So like, there's so many different connections to it. Even guess what? The Runaways also still connected because they connected somehow to the to the uh, MCU. Cloak and Dagger also connected. There were some things there. Um, I believe an episode of Ages of Shield also connected to the events that happened in the on the Punisher. There was a TV, there was a news segment when Quake was, I think when Quake and then we're in a bar or something like that, and he looked up and they were looking at this news article of somebody killing all these mobsters or whatever like that, or these bad guys in New York. It was the, it was based on the Punisher. So that, that was that little connection there. So there was no way they could really not connect this whole thing together. Like just. I, I don't understand why there was always talk about that or even mention of any disconnect. Like that's to me was saying like, you thought that your project failed and the agents of shield never failed. The defenders, some, a lot of those shows broke the broke Netflix, Luke cage, especially. Um, yeah, it just, it just, no, I, so I'm glad that they're finally just doubling down on this and doing this because it was ridiculous for them to do to say it was not in the first place. So I'm looking forward to finally connecting the timelines to all that again. When someday I pretty much will re-binge all that over again and, you know, start from scratch again with that. So there you go, folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back and I will talk about echo and see where that show connects and how it connects and some of the big things that happen and that I'll be looking forward to down the line. So we'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dak Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. This is Amanda Celine Miller, the voice of Boruto and Sailor Jupiter, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Wait. Folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and this is my review and thoughts on the latest Marvel series on Disney Plus, known as Echo. Based on the events that happened on Hawkeye, we now see her in her standalone series known as the Marvel Spotlight series and the first of many to come along. Marvel Spotlight is actually based on the old comic books that highlighted new characters that were coming in and new situations that were happening. It was basically a tryout book to see how many people would actually get into the characters that they were like that they were creating. And, uh, you know, there were some hits, there were some misses with that one, I believe. But um, one of which I did not know. I, I looked up because I never knew about Marvel Spotlight. I don't think I think I don't know if they continued it when I was, you know, when after I was born or whatever like that. But um, I mean, obviously they did. But when I started reading comic books, I don't know 
which was like possibly in the late 90s i started like because i used to i used to read like the like the cartoony like comics like casper and richie rich and archies and all the stuff and then i you know i graduated to spider-man and the more sophisticated you know books and all that stuff um thank you and rest in peace to john javier for that by the way and uh, my boy pat his brother who really got me into that um I never knew about the Marvel Spotlight. And I also did not know that Spider-Woman, the original Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew, debuted on that uh, series. She, I, I, I looked it up and I, I saw that it was Spider-Woman, like, and Nick, you know, it's a cover of her trying to, you know, uh, take out Nick Fury. Now, in the comics, she does have a connection to S.H.I.E.L.D., but I didn't know that it it was like that since the beginning and there i found online when i googled uh the marvel spotlight series there's a bunch of old comic books like the first debut the debut uh issue of spider woman first of all that book originally was 30 cents <laughs> okay <laughs> look how far we come books are like five bucks now 30 cents for those books i grew up on books that about that price like, i think by the time i started I uh, started like actually reading. I think they were like 50 cents, maybe a dollar at best. Uh, and then they moved up to a dollar, a dollar 25 or something to that case. But oh man, 30 cents for that book. So yeah, she debuted. Jessica Drew debuted. Not only that, if you've known Spider Woman from back in the day and the, the animated uh, cartoon that used to, Saturday morning cartoon that used to come up uh, based on her, she had a head full of hair. But this one she has no hair in this one and i i shot this over to the acmg facebook group and there were some people like i didn't notice she had a costume with no hair showing um yeah it was news to me even some of our oldest comic book readers looked at that like i never knew about this apparently the book premiered on february 10th 1977 just a month after i was born because <laughs> i was born in 77 so she debuted in this in, in in 77 which i thought was great so marvel studios decided to use the marvel spotlight brand and use it as a banner to have these little one-offs for characters that doesn't necessarily have to be connected according to ign they claim that this series will be this uh will be a series with stories that you don't have to look back to connect to now they say this but the first episode does flash back to connections to other Marvel series like uh, Hawkeye, which is actually based on some of the events that happened during the blip or Than Thanos snap. Um, and while other episodes connect to Daredevil and, and Echo. So I don't know what IGN exactly is talking about or that's what they were speculating. And I think they wrote that article before this series came out. And then all of a sudden we saw a few connections to parts of the mcu i mean it wasn't like ah, it wasn't deep deep connections but if you if you watched daredevil and you watch hawkeye you kind of feel rewarded because you did because you know the significance of the certain scenes that they have and we'll talk about those certain scenes as well as we go along um and let's let's really talk about the show because i was expecting like a daredevil like dealing which we did get we did get they did say it was going to be like the daredevil experience it was going to be tv ma 
when we talk about the uh, violence level, I'll give my very, my thoughts on that too. Um, but the introduction really kind of took me off. It really took me by surprise. The introduction we didn't expect. The first scene shows us uh, the formation of a woman in a cave with spiritual energy on the rooftop or whatever like that. And we learn that this is the origin of Kaffa, um, who is like the first uh, member of the tribe known as, let me, let me, uh, give me a sec, uh, Choked, uh, Chukta. And she's kind of like, think of her as like Bass from Wakanda. It, it, she's kind of on that same deal. Um, at this point, I was thinking like, oh, this show is going to be bigger, a bigger deal than we thought, because now they're getting this spiritual, you know, the spiritual energy type of uh, deal here. How is this going to relate to Echo in his case? Because Echo is like a street character, but in the comics, she does acquire the Phoenix Force, which is like the mo is one of the most powerful, you know, f um, forms of energy ever like it's so big i don't think we we did the omega fist tournament i don't think she i don't know if he i don't remember if she was allowed the deal was when we did the omega fist tournament like no omni level characters were allowed to be picked because they're usually immortal they can't be killed and there's no weaknesses in there in order for us in order for anybody to pick a character they had to have had a weakness now the weakness didn't have to you know match their opponent but it just has to be there in case you know there's a way to defeat them so that is i mean i gotta remember i gotta look back at that and see if somebody did i think somebody did pick phoenix because she did have some form of weakness at, for some reason i don't know but echo in the comics does acquire the phoenix force uh but the phoenix force in the marvel cinematic universe doesn't exist it exists in the Fox universe of X-Men, but not the Marvel Cinematic Universe because the X-Men is slowly coming in. And uh, we, we're just now getting to see that. So the Phoenix Saga has yet to come yet. And this could lead to possibly a lot of things happening there. But we know the X-Men do exist now in a Marvel Cinematic Universe within another universe, mind you. Um, I can't wait till the Marvels come back. I forgot about that. Ah, good really enjoyed that movie but we get this introduction and i'm like okay what, what are they going to do here is she actually going to have powers to some extent we find out later on that that's leading to that to be so um the spiritual energy is definitely not a street level thing to exactly but even though iron fist does have his you know uh, you know his powers and his abilities in there so there is slightly but it's very subtle and this was kind of in the same fashion too the episode continues with a flashback that shows how Maya lost her leg. So this is her origin story as well. Uh, an unfortunate car accident during a heavy rain uh, climate that killed her mother, uh, Tola. It was actually, if I'm correct, her grandfather and grandmother, who was the ones that ended up hitting her uh, and caused the accident, leading both of their fates and leading to her dying and whatnot. Um, we also see Maya get her first kill in this flashback and his origin uh, flashback as well, which leads to Kingpin, AKA Wilson Fisk, convincing her to use her aggression and abilities for uh, his means as a way of properly relieving and displacing her anger and grief she had uh, at the loss of her father. Cause they also showed the scenes from Hawkeye 
when he was playing Ronin and he ended up killing uh, her father when he was a part of the uh, the tracksuit mafia. So, which I found it really interesting too because the tracksuit mafia was mostly Russians and they had a small Native American group of, uh, of members in there. It's just very interesting that they had that. But uh, then we get to the part that was everybody was looking forward to the daredevil fight. I think it was like a six minute fight. But during a mission from Fisk, Maya can, uh, encountered a man, the man without fear, AKA daredevil for those who don't read the comic books and really stood her ground. She was, it was a really fun, awesome fight. Uh, kind of reminded me of the, uh, fight with her and uh, Hawkeye when he was dressed up as Ronin. Um, and she held her ground. She was able to survive that whole entire ordeal. She was the, one of the only people that was able to, you know, they, you know, put him in his place. So Fisk was more than impressed uh and felt that she can do a lot more for him and she needed uh more ways to vent after the death of her father at the hands of clint barton uh so the first episode really just recaps all of that uh all that occurred during hawkeye including the interaction with you know him and you know then we get we, we get to her in the present and marvel studios went to great lengths with this show to factor maya's heritage and background because that plays a factor into her abilities and who she is and who she becomes. Uh, but they went into, they went uh, into actually working with the uh, Chocta tribe, uh, which is a real tribe located in Oklahoma, Mississippi, and Louisiana as um, right now. And members of the tribe work with Marvel Studios to help them with the accuracy and authenticity of their culture in the series, as well as with Maya as she is said to be a part of that tribe. So this leads into Maya or Echo getting her new powers. In the comics, like we said, she gets the Phoenix Force. However, in the MCU, Maya inherits her ancestral powers from uh, Chaffa, the first Chakta, who actually has uh, spiritual powers and energy as well. She also can spiritually reconnect with her with other ancestors to help her um you know with situations of the present each time well each one representing a different spirit and a different ability including her mother tala who also had spiritual healing abilities too so we learn this in a later episode when maya injures uh, a bird and leading to her mother using her powers to heal the wound and one of those viable lesson coming to coming of age lesson uh, flashbacks. We first see Maya use her power when she uh, used her hands when her hands started glowing, giving her the ability to detach the prosthetic leg that she had um, and you know open the link to the chain. And then also, one of the coolest things that I think that we I got to see this one, this right here. What is this episode I love because it reminded me of Miss Marvel when he went back and talked about Palestine and uh, India and the situations of the real, the real life, situ the real world situations and history of that, you know, story of that, uh, those two countries. This was up there with that. This reminded me of that. And I love that because I never knew about that. And, you know, with my wife, with my wife being um, Indian of Asian descent, you know, we got a chance to talk about that that episode on uh miss marvel and this was like the same thing you know they did the history of the light horsemen which in fact uh in history they were american indian police force dated back to 1797 
that was formed to stop horse thieves and other criminal acts as well going on when the police, when the actual real police was not around. You know, they, they made up their own. So it was named, uh, it was a name given to them by five tribes in the United States. It spans from Cherokee, uh, Chickasaw, Choctaw Creek, and uh, Seminole. If I'm saying that correctly, forgive me if I'm not. Um, the connections, you know, and, and I thought that was a really great deal. And that was part of our heritage and it really helped greatly for that. Um, the connections to the Defenders saga and the MCU was great because this is the part I was talking about. If you watched the original Daredevil series, you were rewarded with this. And this was the complete connection. This was the absolute 100% connection to the Defenders or the, the Daredevil saga, which is also connected to the Defenders saga. That hammer, that hammer is a huge deal. If you watch Daredevil, they showed the origin story of Wilson Fisk and the, his very first kill was his father who was abusing his mom because, you know, he, he just felt like he wasn't being supported when he was, you know, trying to be mayor and that didn't happen. And he was very abusive to her. And when he didn't win, he went off havoc and it just, it, it, it really stressed um, Wilson completely to the point that he took that hammer and crushed his, he crushed his skull with it. You know, they didn't show that, of course, in this series, even though it's TVMA, they didn't show that, but the hammer, it, it was implied. You, If you watch that series, you know every grueling detail of that scene in Daredevil, and you remember that scene. It's a pivotal, one of the most pivotal moments of Wilson Fisk, uh, Wilson Fisk career in that, in, that, um, in that series. Unbelievable. So the minute they showed that, I was like, whoa, this, there's the connection right there. Cause that, that was a deep, deep flashback in daredevil. Um, so we we see that echo uses her newfound powers on Kingpin, taking him to the, his deepest, darkest past. And he is in his childhood home where he hears his mother basically beaten and abused by his father. And he can't do a damn thing about it. He can't get out that room. He's just stuck in that room. And he's, he's a dealt Wilson Fisk at this point, but he's, traumatized by the idea that he's in his room like that echo put him she pretty much pulled a a charles xavier on him and sent him to that very moment that's you know in his subconscious of his mind and he couldn't take it he couldn't hear the the screaming and the and the abuse that his father was putting into his mom and it freaked him out it freaked him out that's why if you saw the trailer, if you haven't watched it yet, but you see the trailer and you hear Wilson Fisk like, what did you do to me? <laughs> that's what, that's what happened. This puts Fisk in a state of terror, wondering how, what Echo did to him. And he retreated after he took him and his men retreated, didn't do anything else. He was like, I'm out, <laughs> I am out. And, um, this pretty much ended what, you know, the actual story, they, you know, he actually, was able and there was a lot of inner type of stories too there was uh the situation with um maya and her friend that she was growing up with but she ended up you know he ended up uh she ended up leaving with her father to go to new york but since maya became what she became she distanced herself from her friend who became a firefighter in, in the town that she grew up in um she didn't want to you know bother anybody she didn't talk to the grandmother first of all the, she thought the grandmother didn't want to talk to her but the grandmother was still destroyed at everything that happened um 
from that point and even divorced her husband, which they were separated, but they were still, you know, friends to that extent. Um, but it was so traumatizing that they, you just took away with from each other right there. Um, a lot of other family members were involved as well. And, then, uh, it was, it, it was really cool to, for them to reconnect all that, but it did cause a lot of hell because Maya is everybody's on a hunt for Maya and eventually Fisk was going to find her cool part about one cool part about the, um, the series is the evolution of Wilson Fisk. Yes. He got shot in the eye, but his eye regenerated back. How technology, baby. He has this eye patch that is healing his eye and getting it back into formation. This is the awesome part. And, and this is great because what I love about that is like, cause he didn't have this during daredevil, but he's evolved since then. And he's evolved majorly since that time. And so has the MCU. So that technology should be available. And of all people, he should be, he should have possession of that. The other thing that was awesome too, was that he had these contact lenses that he gave Maya, which had this augmented reality way of doing sign language to her without him having to use a translator or somebody who knew ASL. Um, which by the way, the person that he had, he hired somebody to, you know, um, to do, uh, ASL trans, uh, translation to Maya. This person was very loyal to him. And after they no longer needed this woman, they killed her. Like she was, she was all for him. Like, I, wow. Like they didn't want to, they didn't want her to know that, um, she exists, that, that might exist at all, or she was interacting with him. So they offed her the whole, if it was crazy, the whole entire, you know, hallway was draped in plastic or cellophane or whatever like that. So when they shot, it was crazy. I'm like, this is classic, classic Kingpin. Classic Kingpin moment, man. That was wild. Um, yeah. Vincent D'Onfreo is amazing in this, this movie. He is absolutely amazing in this, um, in this, in this series, as you would expect, he was absolutely the greatest. Um, by the way, he's also in the new Kevin Hart movie lift, which is on Netflix right now. He, he is so awesome. Like, I love this guy. He, I loved it because he's so captivating as Wilson Fisk. I need to see him as somebody else to really, and I got to see him in person when he was in fan expo and all this stuff. And I was, you know, just a few feet away from, you know, covering his, you know, covering, um, the panel and everything, but it just, it, it he's so great at what he does. He draws you right in and makes you really believe that you don't want to mess with this dude. You don't want to be anywhere near this dude. So kudos for him doing, uh, doing actually, if you, if you guys watch lift, which is like kind of a heist film uh, for Kevin Hart. Uh, there's a lot of Marvel people in that. A lot of Marvel actors that are in that movie. It's really awesome. Go out of your way, check it out. But he's on it too, and he's he's just a tremendous. But it's really cool the, the, the fact that he's evolved in technology. This is what this is classic Kingpin. He's becoming more and more like the comic book Kingpin, more and more every single time. And there is one thing that they did in here that's going to be very interesting there's an end credit scene that showed he him and a private jet after 
just trying to he's he's leaving that town after being freaked out and everything um he then watches the tv and notices that there's a new segment on that discusses with the discussion as to who is going to be good enough to take uh, to become the mayor of new york because there's nobody that's willing to do it and they need somebody that's going to be a fighter and whatnot and a hard hitter to be there and they close the camera on him and it's like oh yeah this is going to be this is uh it, we see fist contemplating on an idea so we know what's going to happen next i believe this is in the comic books as well that he does become mayor to some extent um and i think this is going to be the lead-in to uh daredevil reborn so we'll see what happens with that but i thought it was an absolutely great series it was a five episode series and for those who wanted more this is why now this is a part of the marvel spotlight series so there's going to be other series i guess that is going to have like a few episodes and i don't mind five is five is a great minimum five is a great minimum it doesn't have to have eight or whatever like that as long as the story is told well i don't care i don't care and by the way it's five hours of like that's a how are you gonna how are you gonna make fun of that but you go to the movies to watch like two to three hours of that uh, of a movie like i don't understand like the, the 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 whole point of trying to throw shade on a five episode series is ridiculous especially when they put a lot of big a lot of budget into those series so stop just stop with the shadiness but i, I absolutely enjoyed it i thought it was great uh, in terms of the violence level it was you know but compared to daredevil and jessica uh jones and and all of them actually compared to all of them in in the netflix series you know this movie i mean this uh series gets a six out of ten because there were some violent movies especially at the beginning there were some very violent you know scenes and some violent scenes throughout but the daredevil the daredevil series had way worse it was a lot like the minute that people thought that they were going to die at the um that they were you know their families are going to be in trouble at the hands of you know uh fisk and they offed themselves like that was there was some really crazy crazy shit going on in that deal so the violence level was okay it was this was disney level <laughs> violence in here like they, they you know they didn't want to go that far but it was i, I really enjoyed it. i'm actually going to watch it again I, I thought it was really good um, i'm looking forward to it watching it again and um i'm looking forward to the future of the defenders because we got all these new avenger things coming up and it's about time that the defenders make their appearance and connection to everything and i want i mean i want jessica jones back i want you know luke cage back i want iron fist back i want them all i want them all bring them back and make this work so i'm looking forward to this and and, and much much more so I don't care if shield doesn't come back M acknowledge them okay stop it i know because they have acknowledged you know colson you know a long time ago after all that it was over they still acknowledge colson i don't want to hear it. stop it just bring them just just act acknowledge them so go anyway check it out i think i'll give this a b plus this was a very enjoyable series and um i'm looking forward to seeing her again and see what she does and see how her powers will manifest next so Folks, that will do it for this edition of Talk Time Live. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Next week, I think I am going to review Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earth, the animated movie that has come out. I'm um, looking forward to checking that out. I got that on lock as well. 
I believe I may have a new game that I'm going to review this week, but Tekken 8 will be reviewed. I'm just going to put it in now. That game will be reviewed very soon. Um, yeah, absolutely. Next week, that game is when oh, it comes out next week. So it will probably be reviewed in the week after where something will happen. We'll see. But we will have something this week to review. I think maybe another fighting game or something. Uh, it's my birthday. I'm going to figure out when I'm going to play or whatever like that. But we'll see. Um, we're going to check it out. And um, that's that. So thank you. And again, thank you for everybody who is uh, currently giving me birthday wishes right now. Um, and just thank you for the journey. Thank you for everybody who basically for those who basically um and well first of all thank thank you to my lovely talented and beautiful wife <laughs> who is ran with me through this whole entire thing since i started since we got married i've just went on a crazy journey with this podcast with the acmg thing uh with the with everything that has come with it and even you know with her journey with her business going into her ninth year i believe which is awesome so you know thank you for being my partner thank you for being my friend thank you i feel like i'm about to do the uh the golden girl song again <laughs> but you know love you babe thank you so much and uh you are one of the best gifts i've ever had indeed um but thank you to everybody who i just want to you know basically take the time to thank everybody who really stood by me who gave me opportunities who absolutely just believed in my path believed in my ability never tried to hold me back uh took a chance on me um and never doubted me thank you because this was not an easy journey to go to and there's always something that you know there's always some forks in the road but like i never stopped i never gave up and there were many times where i could have and i, I some may think should have and i just didn't and I'm very grateful for that. Um, I will say this. I said a lot last year, but and I will say this to this point. At some point of our lives, where we're working on a five, 10 year plan of doing what we're, of achieving goals or whatnot, just don't forget to live within the goals you seek. Learn to let go, live life, and love all of the experiences that has come your way. All meeting, all the people that is that has come to pass good or bad mostly good hopefully um even the bad ones like i said before even the bad experiences that you have are valuable lessons to learn from um from them because you know it helps you it helps to elevate you and i'll say it again i'll give quentin rampage jackson his credit for saying it because this is the first only person i heard him say it. you only lose if you don't know how you lost and i'll give paul Heyman, wwe's paul Heyman, can't achieve success without the risk of failure And I've heated, I've, I, I took heed to those words and they have not let me down and they have stared me wrong one bit. So otherwise we wouldn't be talking right now. And thank you, big shout out to my Canada people. <laughs> Cause I've been hanging around in Canada for quite some time, virtually mind you. And you know, Boris Aguilar and the Sunday night's main event crew. Uh, thank you for, um, Make me a part of the wrestling world and your stance. I have, I technically I am officially a part of the Sunday Night's main event crew. I will be working with them this year to help 
elevate them uh, in in certain ways. But also, I am going to be with Boris reviewing the AEW. Um, we're we are coming up with a name. We have a name for this for this uh, series. But uh, Sunday night's main event. I am a part of the crew. I will be reviewing that segment. We're doing a kind of a ACMG slash wrestling review show on air too. So like definitely chime in to that. It's going to be pretty awesome. Already has been awesome. We got some really good um, feedback from people, especially because we mix a little bit of ACMG with wrestling and we get to geek out a little bit. So I'm looking forward to really getting that in gear and really solidifying that and helping Boris, you know, get Sunday night's main event onto another level this uh, year. So that's going to be awesome. So stay tuned for that and stay tuned for Sunday night's main event on TSN radio every Sunday. And uh, it's a great show. Boris does a great job. The other guys do a great job on air as well. And uh, check them out and keep supporting them and keep supporting this show in every episode that we have on Talk Time Live, which you can find on TalkTimeLive.com. All of our audio episodes like this one, our video exclusives are all available there and uh, some great exclusives indeed. And speaking of thank yous, we just put it out there. Just put it out there and uh, give thanks to everybody there. Of course, my good friend Molly Flanagan, who really looked out for me last year. Um, Amanda C. Miller also for looking out for me last year as well. Jeffrey Thorne. Uh, you could check out Ernie and Arnie Roth, con- uh, composers, uh, conductors for the Final Fantasy music out there um, from AWR Music. My man, Jeffrey Chamba Cruz. You can check him out on there as well. Danielle Kennedy, the lovely Danielle Kennedy, great actor as well. And uh, Sam Valley of uh, Hyper Focus Games. Pay attention, wrestling fans. There's a new wrestling game come out. And if you don't like Fight Forever, I think he's going to have the answer for it this year. Guaranteed. I'm going to try to get him back on the show. Definitely. Yannick Bazell, my man, Kyle Bear. Really, like, without Kyle, there would be no Molly Flanagan in my life. So thank you, Kyle. And, and shout out to his um, wife, Christina aka right or wrong who actually you know gave me a, a birthday shout out this morning as well so thank you so very much christina um brian o'halloran shout out to him as well you know one of my really really awesome one of my favorite interviews today because i never thought i would actually get a chance to sit next to him and talk to this dude did i watched this movie forever so uh rebecca kennedy another great talented artist as well my man megaran who's been my voice my musical voice, my musical lyricist of this show, DJ Cutman, who provides all of the music on the show. Thank you. And, you know, shout out to him, Maddie, and his uh, and his and his kid. Really cute kid, by the way. So check out all that. If you want to go and check out some great interviews, you could check out all that on TalkTimeLive.com, as well as my blog page as well, which has a very, very special entry in there. Um, the history of the Omega Fist Tournament is a article is a blog article of me chronicling the history of this concept of this social media fantasy tournament contest about comic books that has been done before will never be done again <laughs> not in this way and the amount of work that i put into doing this trust me go to that blog page on talktimelive.com and read it and check it out it's a 17 minute read there's a bunch of awesome you know videos and uh you know audio clips and, and, and pictures and everything that I did, I went all through hell. This was one of the biggest events to ever happen in the ACMG Facebook group. And I guarantee you there's nothing this elaborate will ever happen again. 
because <laughs> nobody's going to put put up the work in here too so go out anyway check it out and of course if you want to never miss a beat with this show you can subscribe and download all these audio episodes wherever podcasts are played that is include spotify iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Popping, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast, Pandora, you name it, we are there. Folks, thank you once again, and thank you to everybody, and thank you, Life, for 47 years of a crazy journey, a journey that I didn't think I was ever going to make it this far. And to last but not least, thank you to my mother. You believed in me enough to know that I could get this far, and, um, God rest. And uh, I love you. Definitely. That'll do it for me, folks. This is Dex Xavier saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care, and I am going to have a great birthday. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.